Hello and welcome back to Real Specific. My name's Jake and I'm here with my friend. Hey, I'm Klaus. And this week we are finishing off our series on Civil War Spaghetti Westerns. This is the fourth entry of our show. California, 1977, directed by Michel Lupo. Yeah, let's just get into this one. I don't have a whole lot to lead up with. I think we're going to cover this one pretty thoroughly. Any any opening thoughts for you? Yeah, the main character and Willie, I kept calling them by different names. Uh, maybe this will <laughs> make sense as we get into it, but I kept calling the main character Geralt uh, from The Witcher, and Willie was Luke Skywalker to me the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, they do have those kind of looks about them. So uh, the guy who played Willie was actually a singer, a famous singer at the time. Surprised that didn't come up in any shape or form during the movie. He is a good-looking young guy, but other than that, I mean, he's just kind of there to be happy and way too eager to talk to everyone. Mm. And then our star is Giuliano Gemma who we now know from The Return of Ringo, episode two of our show. I thought he looked familiar. Apparently that facial scar is real. I thought it was just a Ringo thing, but there you go. Yeah, so I called him Ringo in all of my notes. Or actually, I got I got lucky because he goes by random throughout this entire movie. Terrible fake name, by the way. But that way I could just put R in my notes and I knew it was Ringo or random. So that, that was easy enough. Thank you, movie makers. Uh, and to be clear, this is 10 years after that Ringo trilogy. And Juliana Gemma still looking fucking good, man. Still looks almost the exact same as he did in the Ringo movies. This movie starts off with a bunch of Confederate soldiers being held in a POW camp by the Union, and they're being released back into the public now that the war is officially over. Among these Confederate soldiers are our main characters, who are, or I guess our lead and his buddy, California, played by Juliana Gemma, and then Willie Preston, playing our young, impressionable Confederate who is headed back home to Flint River, Georgia. And despite... Despite California's insistence that he is a man on his own, Willie just keeps broadening. He's like, what? We're friends, right? What? We, we spoke to each other one time, and you said three words to me, so we're best friends now, right? 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 <laughs> so the soldiers are being told they have one week to find a job or they have to leave the state. Whatever state that we're in, I don't fucking know. We, we really need, like, modern-day action movie titles that pop up and say, you know, Flint River, Georgia, when we get to the farm, or, like, wherever mm. the fuck Arkansas, or wherever the fuck they're being held. I don't know where the hell they are. Yeah, it, yeah that, that would certainly help. Did you have any idea where we were at any point during this movie? <laughs> no, I just assumed we were somewhere out west. And, and even with that, those issues, I still think this movie did better than some of the other ones. Like, maybe it was Ringo. Because I, 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 they set it up. I understood. Okay, they're Confederate soldiers. They're surrendering. Like I could, I kind of understand the backdrop of the story a lot better. Yeah. Some of the other ones were just drop you in there. My my biggest problem was just knowing where we were. Kind of like Django, where we were never really sure: are the Confederate guys in Mexico? Or are they in the U.S.? Or you know what mm. the fuck is happening? I kind of got the same feel with this one, where like. We start out in a rainy, muddy place that obviously is held by the Union. Uh, 
Other than that, no fucking clue. We're walking through the woods and kind of mountainous areas, and no fucking clue where the hell we stop out of town, but it looks like it's in the American West. And then eventually we make our way to what we're told is Flint River, Georgia, but definitely looks like... I'm not going to say there's no places in Georgia that look like this. We're from Georgia. We've been all over Georgia. We know Georgia pretty well. Up in North Georgia, where there are mountains and shit, there are probably some patches of land that look exactly like this quote-unquote farm. But uh, I don't know what the fuck they're supposed to be farming, other than rocks, I guess? Grass? <laughs> grass? <laughs> they they do have an elaborate fucking uh, watering system to water this basin that they live in, and I guess they're just going to flood themselves. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I did not know where I was. And like you said, half of the little towns and ghost towns I went through, they, they're just muddy towns. And sometimes it was, it was hard to keep track of. Are they back in the one they were before? Or is this a new one? At one point when Random or California, whichever, is chasing after some bad guys way later in the movie, somebody's like, oh yeah, they're camping out 100 miles north of here. And this is right after he left, quote unquote, Flint River, Georgia. So, like, you're telling me a hundred miles or so north of Flint River, Georgia is fucking desert? Does it, Has anyone looked at a map of the U.S. or, you know, just read a book or anything? I don't know. It's, oh, it's fucking painful. <laughs> so, I will say, while we're still in the encampment, random is sitting there petting a little kitty cat and two soldiers are like trying to pay money so they can eat the cat. <laughs> They're like, we haven't had real meat in three weeks or something like that. <laughs> and he just fucking punches one guy out and trips the other one. <laughs> I, I did like that. And it kind of was starting to set him up as a good-ish guy. And then I do like, I think they did a pretty good job of this area setting us up with the three kind of main characters, the random protagonist, Willie, who's kind of like the sidekick for a little while and uh, kind of the catalyst for some of the action later on. And then the bad guy, Mr. Whitaker, who yeah. like looks out, apparently recognizes Random at the time. And at the time, you don't know, but he's like, at least let the poor bastard digest. We'll get him later. And later you find out he's a bounty hunter and apparently Random has a bounty on him. Well, and I think the big thing to note there was that Whitaker takes a lot of dead or alive bounties, and I don't think he really pays attention to the alive part very often. It kind of seems like he just wants a license to go around shooting people. Yeah, and and we kind of saw that in the next one of the next scenes where we're out in the woods and there's some people camping in the woods, and I guess some bandits come up and are like, "Give us your soup. We're robbing you for your soup, I guess." <laughs> and then out comes Whitaker and his guys who are hiding. It's an ambush hiding in their, you know, wagons and shit and shoot them all. Which I thought, if this is supposed to be getting across the point that Whitaker's like a big bad evil bounty hunter, it doesn't do the trick because this is a well-laid trap and mm -hmm. the evil or the bad guys who have bounties on them do exactly what they think they're going to do. They try to rob the people who are camping and the trap is sprung and they kill all the guys, which is fine because the bad guys had their guns out already. So... They were threatened with deadly violence, you know? Like, uh, if you're trying to tell me that Whitaker is a horrible guy at this point in the movie, I'm not on board. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I kind of like this movie. I still think Good, Bad, and the Ugly did a really good job setting up their characters comparatively. But this is, out of the other movies, this is one of the ones I like a lot because the characters, this Whitaker guy, you later see him, he is a bad guy. You know, people begging for mercy and he just shoots them. But there's also this kind of stuff where, you know, maybe it's his, you could believe this gray area of, you know, he's been in this line of work and maybe he just doesn't take prisoners for his own safety. Or, yeah, it's just kind of a different setup for a character because it's not so black and white, at least at first, for Whitaker. And I will say, these characters, except for Willie, all the other characters seem pretty well grounded and realistic Mm -hmm. i think willie and willie's sister helen i think they're the only two that are a little overdone maybe a little overacted everyone else seems like they could have been real people at the time and i do think this is more representative of 70s filmmaking where 60s was a little more fanciful and i don't know a little more fairy tale ish the 70s have come back to a more hard, real-life footing for even for these westerns, which are generally pretty high-concept and high-fantasy in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to see one that's gritty and dirty-feeling in a, in a good way, not like Ringo, where it's just hay blowing everywhere, and that's how you get <laughs> gritty and dirty. I agree. And speaking of kind of like the grounded characters... Geralt, or Random, as he should be named. I kept kind of going back and forth on him because that next scene after Whitaker kills these soup bandits, he runs into uh, Willie and they they continue on and they run into some other Confederate people that are leaving the state, I guess. And Whitaker comes and they end up killing a bunch of them. I guess a bunch of them that had bound. Slow, slow down a little bit. You're skipping over a couple of Am I skipping huge things. Oh here. my god, I did skip some stuff. The the toads. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> All right. So first off, uh, when he runs back into Willie along the road, uh, Willie is riding with some yeah, random yeah, yeah. dude on a wagon, and random dude on the wagon's like, "I'm not giving you a ride, California. You." Look bad, I guess. I'm giving this other Confederate soldier a ride, but not you. You're an asshole. Okay, so Willie decides to get out and just walk with California. What'd you do that for? Well, we're pals now, aren't we? You say? I don't even know your name. You don't? Uh, My name's Randall. Michael Randall. Random. I've heard that name before. It's the same as a brand of tobacco. Oh, yeah, sure. That's why I know it. I got a good memory for names and for most everything else, too. Do you, Willie? Do you? When he asks California his name, he literally has a Kaiser Sose moment and looks at the tobacco box in the back of the <laughs> of the wagon driving away from them, sees a tobacco box with the name whatever random. I, I didn't even Michael. write Michael Random. Thank you. Which apparently is the brand name of a tobacco. Yeah. Oh, Willie. Just Jesus Christ. So then immediately after our Kaiser Sose moment, they're acting all friendly walking along and i didn't know what the fuck was happening in this scene at first like there's a lot of outdoor animal noise going on and our two characters are crouched in the reeds outside of a mud pit and they're talking about like surprising or ambushing someone or something and just as they're about to go a whole wave of confederate soldiers comes out from behind them 
<laughs> all charging, and they just start jumping in the mud trying to catch these frogs, <laughs> which is amazing. I literally wrote, what the hell is this scene? Like, what is going on? Because it was several minutes of them jumping in the mud after Toad. Oh, and it's played up for huge laughs. Like, all right. Yeah. If, if, if this was real, if this was real life, this would be one of the saddest things you've seen in a while because you're talking about a bunch of starving young men who just got out of a POW camp and they're fucking fighting and running from each other in the mud to try and catch more frogs than the other guys so that they have something to eat that night. Meanwhile, we're getting this comical fucking soundtrack telling us that we should be happy and laughing because they're laughing that they caught two frogs. Yikes. My next note is, music is already too repetitive slash constant refrain of the somber theme. Uh, is that the orchestra song? <sighs> I, it, it's the... Not orchestra, organ. Okay, yeah, so the, op- the opening theme is that organ song, and then we have the harmonica playing the really somber part of it uh, at the camp. And I mean, I swear to God, I think this is only like 15 minutes in, maybe 20, and... We've, I've already heard this song so much that I had to make a note just talking about how I'm already tired of this fucking theme. Luckily, the editor or director or the music guy, somebody, realized how overdone it was and then kind of laid off of it until toward the end of the movie. Most of the music in this movie wasn't too bad, though. Nothing, like, terribly memorable except for the theme. Yeah, and I I personally actually liked the theme. I mean, they used it a lot, but I I thought it was good, the, the theme itself. It was solid. It was just, like I said, overused in the beginning. Yeah. But they laid off of it and... When it came back at the end, it felt good. Not quite as good as the uh, Django theme when it comes back, because that movie, there's so much diegetic sound and so little music that when it does come back, you're like, fuck yeah, Django! (laughs) And this wasn't as terrible as the Ringo theme, which kept coming back every 10 minutes just with a different instrument. Yeah, it was the only only music they used. But yeah, this so this toad scene, I guess, is when they they hook up with those other Confederates and they walk with them a little while, eventually come to, I guess, a farm and they're okay with them staying in their barn or something. I think it's supposed to just be like a fucking abandoned area. Like there's a lot of ghost towns in this movie. Yeah. It makes it seem as if the American West itself was ruined by war. I mean, I I would believe it more if we were, if we are supposed to be more in the eastern United States. I get that, because that's where, I mean, there's fighting going on all over the U.S., don't get me wrong, but it seems like towns were ravaged in the eastern United States, not so much in the west. Yeah, they, um, they link up, they go to this, I guess, abandoned ghost town or whatever it is and find a place to hold up. 
they're eating their cooked frogs and having an okay time, I guess. Eventually they go to sleep. And I wanted to ask you, because I got the impression that Random was deciding he was going to sneak out. He had 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 enough of Willie and he was going to roll out. And then that's when he saw some of the bounty hunters sneaking in in like the early morning or night. It looked to me like Random was sneaking out before uh, anybody else woke up. And that's when he noticed Whitaker and... I guess he knows Whitaker from the war, or maybe from the POW camp or something, I don't know. But he basically grabs Willie, tells him to keep his mouth shut, and they sneak out the back. But they don't want to risk getting caught while running off, so they like stay outside and watch what happens. Which is where Whitaker and his men basically say, Hey, if you got a bounty on you, step forward and we'll let you live, but we're taking you in. And then when one of the guys does exactly that, they shoot him anyway, and then shoot a couple more guys who try to run, and then pretty much kill all but, what, like two or three guys or something like that? Yeah, because either they have bounties or they're like, you know, want to get out of there. Um, And they, yeah, he ends up shooting a ton of them. Yeah, and none of these guys are armed. I mean, they were POWs. They've they've had all their weapons and everything taken away. So this is kind of the scene that that really shows, okay, Whitaker is not a good good guy. He's a bad guy. Right. But it's also, it's like that gray area with Brandon again, because Willie is sitting outside, you know, looking through the, the wood slits, clearly like upset that these people are just basically being executed. And Random is just like trying to keep him quiet. No, we can't step in. We're just going to watch this happen, and, and that's going to be fine. The feeling I get from California or Random is that he saw some real shit in the war. He had to be at one of the big fucking battles, you know? Like, he he seems like he had killed way too many people and seen too much shit to really go back to normal, especially right, up, right away. Whereas Willie was really proud of a medal he got because he fell down a cliff like an asshole. What really got me about this is, like, the next morning, Random gets up and he's like, oh, it's a beautiful morning. And Willie's, like, turns over and looks at him like, what the hell, dude? Like, a ton of people got executed last night. Yeah. They're they're definitely trying to go for the whole, like, mysterious loner as we are used to in these spaghetti yeah. westerns. The problem is, is they want a mysterious loner who has a sidekick for mm-hmm. the first act of the movie. And that just, just doesn't really work that well, unfortunately. Not for me. And, and I agree. I think it, it's hard to make it work in this film. I like the idea that you had this, like, more innocent, naive character who's softening this rugged, tough person who probably saw, like you said, like some really dark shit in the war. But it is just kind of like counter to the character. I don't know. It seems like a really hard balance to find. Oh, before we move on too far, I do want to talk about the uh, the effects and the special effects in this movie are so much better than they were in the films made 10 years before it. I mean... I I don't know what it is about the 70s. I have a huge soft spot in my heart for movies made in the 70s. Uh, Most of my favorite films are 70s films, one way or the other. This one is definitely on the lower end of the budget for for the 70s. Uh, Either that or something happened to the film stock, because on the darker scenes, like, everyone has a red line running on one side of their face. And then the scenes that are outside are way overexposed. I don't know what happened to the film on this one, but a lot of it looks bad, especially through the first two-thirds of the movie. 
but the special effects are pretty great. We get some close-up shots of, like, people getting shot in the face and stuff like that. And they're doing the good old-fashioned... You can put a coin on somebody's face or head and then cover it up with makeup, and you just have, like, a really thin string connected to the coin so that when you pull it away, fake blood can come out or whatever from underneath all the makeup mm. and they they do that several times throughout this movie and it looks fucking great as always in 70s movies because you can't see the string or anything it's just up close face shot you hear a gun go off and that's love it. cool i didn't know that's how they did that that's really cool yeah that's that's an old easy way to do it and that's definitely what they use for a lot of these shots but yeah too overexposed in the daylight Dark scenes have these weird red lines. I don't know too much about like actually filming with film because I've grown up in a digital era. I'm assuming something happened to the actual film stock or this is an mm. older release and the film is just degraded or something. I can't imagine they released it looking this shitty unless their budget really was that low. Mm. Yeah. There was one other thing that I like wanted to put out there because I don't know if there's an answer to it, but it's just a thought. With random, specifically, but some of the characters in this genre, where sometimes I'm not entirely sure. Like sometimes, if I talking about it afterwards, or I imagine if I rewatch the movie, I would have an entirely different perspective because some of the information you use to define the character comes after. You've seen them do stuff. So, like, in this scene, you know, you don't... At this point, you know he has a bounty on him, but you don't know it's so big. You find out later he has a really big bounty on him. If I knew that now, if that information was given to me earlier, uh, more transparent about that, I might think, oh, is random, is he actually kind of good? He's trying to sneak away from these people so that Whitaker and other people that are after him don't... Other people don't get caught in the crossfires. Is that what's happening? But it's just kind of a general fault of sometimes in this genre, all the information you may need to make a full assessment of a character isn't there till towards the end of the movie. So one of my early notes in the movie when they were still in the POW camp and everything was too many characters slash faces immediately. I can't keep up with who is who or what. And that, I think, is where the problem lies because I think there is a shot where Whitaker's literally looking at the bounty sheet for california and then looks up and sees him eating a these bounty drawing pictures of people aren't always great representations of who the fuck they are and b it was so quick and i've seen 60 fucking faces in the past two minutes i I didn't know that's what it was until later Mm -hmm. i couldn't keep up with what they were trying to tell me in the moment because there's just too much fucking going on so yeah, they uh they come into town and Willie's like asking a guy if he can carry or move some heavy things for him. All they want in return is a meal, and the bread maker says Excuse me, sir. Can we load those things for you? We do it for a meal. Just a bite of bread. I wouldn't refuse a hunk of bread to anyone. So this way you got no excuse to steal anything. And we won't have to go to the trouble of hanging. But go eat it somewhere else. Leave it there. They just want to humiliate us. You still got your uniform on. Well, I'll eat this and you can eat the uniform, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Which I I do think speaks to California's whole, like, 
I think it's he's supposed to be like some kind of badass in the military, like fucking Confederate black ops kind of shit or something. Because A, that's why he's got a big bounty on him, and B, he knows when to just take shit and move on. But we're introduced to these three men, a father and his two sons. They noticed our two main characters in Confederate uniforms, and they say, Gentlemen, like some information. Did you ever see this man? The only thing they told us is he fell in the Battle of Nashville. I'm his father. These are his brothers. We want to know where he's buried. And you didn't tell us? No. And my job was in the kitchen. I never fired a shot. It was about your age, more or less. Could he have been among the Union soldiers you killed, boy? My duty was to fight and kill. He would have done the same. War isn't a personal matter. Could be you're the very one that killed him. Could be. Just like he would have killed me. No, hold on. He didn't mean that. That's just what I said. And that's enough to start a fist fight. <laughs> yeah. And it and it shows off, too, kind of the naive, naivety of Willie, who's he's just kind of like, hey, your son could have shot me. I could have shot him. That's how war is. And California, who is, you know, when the father asked about him, he's like, oh, I was a cook. I never even shot a rifle. Which is a lie, oh, yeah. but it's a lie he knows is not going to start a fight. But then Willie's like, I know what I said. Like, I meant every word. It's not personal. And this is a real problem in the U.S. where uh, people are proud of dumb things that they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that which pretty much yeah. sums up Willie right there. <laughs> yeah. So they get into a fight. The father has two sons, I think. Yeah. And then California and Willie. Yeah, it's, it's two on two. Willie kind of gets his ass handed to him while California does a pretty good job at handling himself. But when it comes down to just him versus both of them, it gets a little awry. I I like the way the action scenes are shot in this movie. The earlier scenes weren't really action. They were like the uh, bounty hunters parts before this. They weren't really action. They were just kind of things that are happening. They're very quick. I think the most action-y part of either of those early parts are uh, Whitaker choking out a guy with his own pistol. That's <laughs> about the only action-y part. You could tell what was going on with how they filmed it. It wasn't so shaky that you couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah, none of that like POV bullshit that we had to deal with in the other movies. It was just, it was filmed to show off two guys fighting each other and because of the quality of the film and the version that we watched i couldn't really tell if there were a lot of cuts during the fight scene or if the film was just like missing a couple of frames or something because it it didn't just happen in action scenes it happened in other parts of the movie too couldn't tell if it was just bad editing or if it was you know accidental fuck-ups with the film and hell, it could have even been buffering on my shitty internet. I don't know if you noticed the same thing or not. Um, I didn't notice it too bad. It was okay. I mean, it was there were some things here and there, but nothing major stood out to me. For me, it was on the longer fight scenes. It looked like there were a few too many cuts where like, they're wrestling each other and then a weird cut to a shot from the same angle and then somebody gets thrown into something. So it doesn't look like the camera moves. It just looks like they 
shot it more than once and this is the take that they used and it wasn't the original take gotcha okay whereas most of the time if you're gonna do a different take you cut to the same shot but from a different angle or something like that that yeah. way it seems more fluid i gotcha i gotcha it's not it's not terrible it doesn't detract too much from the film i'll i'll probably throw it up to uh budget concerns most likely yeah but this one's a good fist fight you got some good punches kicks wrestling fucking california gets thrown into a fence breaking open this uh pen that's holding all the horses all the horses start just hauling ass out of the pen and this is when california and willie make their escape which my literal note was fight in all caps and a little horse thievery um <laughs> which back in those times horse thievery is not something you want to be doing that's that's a hanging offense, as they say. And they said throughout this movie that I think one of them said, yeah, anything will get you hung at this point. Like anything's an offense. Yeah. I, I think that was the big problem was that if you're a Confederate soldier and you fuck up at all, that's just a reason for them to kill you. Nobody's having that shit anymore. So everybody's already pissed off at the rebels. and You fuck up one time, you're done. But they steal their horses. They ride off. And the next, like, couple of scenes, like, the location, the first half is very fun to me. And then something, I think you know what I'm referring to, something happens that I was honestly not expecting happening that was going to happen is shocking, and then the mood changes drastically. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let, let's do the fun parts first. So okay. they, they ride into this ghost town on this stolen horse, and they're riding through, and California notices an old saloon. And this town looks like... War town, as I called it in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. A shitty five or six building, quote-unquote, town in the West that looks like it's been bombed out by artillery shells. <laughs> and they actually... California's like, oh, there's a saloon. A drink would be pretty good right now. And Billy's just like, you know, I've never actually been in a saloon before because he's a fucking teenager or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, let's go get a drink then. They ride the horse into the bombed out saloon. Yes. <laughs> grab a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Willie takes a big old glug of it and like almost pukes or whatever. He's like, oh, God, what is it? <sighs> they find some cards on the table that haven't even been flipped over to show who won. When they do it, California flips one over and he's like, yeah, straight. And Willie flips his over. He's like, four of a kind. <laughs> like, uh, thanks, Willie. You motherfucker. You just can't do anything wrong, can you? <laughs> that scene was was really fun. Uh, my favorite part, though, was grabbing the hats off the hat rack and California puts one on the horse. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote that horse hat. <laughs> I wrote the exact same words. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love it. Uh, it was so fun. And the other thing California says after Willie almost pukes, he's like, uh, this is actually pretty good stuff. This is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is that good whiskey, son. Like, wh wh where yeah. have you been? <laughs> also, let me say, just because I listen to a lot of uh, history-based podcasts and watch a lot of old documentary type stuff, good whiskey, quote unquote, at the time would have been damn near like moonshine levels. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about some rough fucking shit, especially because it was made most likely in the back of whatever saloon it was poured at. So, yeah, then comes the uh, the shocker of the movie, which is we're laughing, we're giggling, we're riding out of the ghost town with a bottle of whiskey and our new hats. 
and fucking random gunshots from off screen into the back of Willie. And I mean, just pow, 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 slow motion, fucking swinging his arms around, head rolling, big jump off the horse in slow-mo, land on the ground, and California tries to get away and hide so he doesn't get shot. I mean, the whole time, like, when I wrote my note for this, I was like, Bill is shot, what the fuck is happening? Because it doesn't show you who's yeah. shooting or from where. Yeah, the shots go off, Willie goes down, and then um, California, I'll, every time I start to call him Geralt, because that's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> so that's my hesitation. But California falls off or something, and but his leg is still stuck in the stirrup, so the horse like drags him down an alleyway, which keeps him from getting shot, but now he's just like helpless, you know? Mm-hmm. And this horse runs off, and he's just helpless, unarmed. Willie's maybe dead or dying. And then he starts getting shot at. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Giuliano Gemma for Geralt, or Henry Cavill in the new Netflix Witcher show? I think Henry, for sure. Henry Cavill? I think he... he That's a good call. I I like Henry Cavill. Even though some of the Superman movies are shit. Uh, The first one, Man of Steel, was pretty good. But Henry Cavill's, like, the perfect jock that's actually a nerd that has ever existed in history so i do think uh is it gemino gemina giuliano gemma yeah old julie is what i'm gonna call him i do think his like acting and his skills were way better in this movie than ringo and maybe it was maybe it's the film and the script but i i think he did it was he's so much better in this film than he was in ringo i think this director had a much more clear vision for the movie that he was making the emotional high points in this movie hit really well not quite as well as they did in like the good the bad and the ugly but way fucking better than they did in ringo and i would say probably even better than they did in django because django didn't have a whole lot of emotion he he's he's what i call very stoic quote unquotes which means non-acting yeah i agree but uh, California, like when he, he escapes getting shot and stuff and he comes back and finds Willie hung and like there is actual emotion from him. I mean, he tear his eyes water up. Uh, well, dude, and that shot of, so we find out it's the, that dad and the two brothers that they beat up in the town have tracked him down to this ghost town. That shot of Willie, he takes his last breath and dies in the mud and then they fucking drag him through the mud with his eyes and mouth open. I was like, God damn, y'all are fucking going for it in this movie, man. Jesus. If the other movies had done that, it would have been like with a comical mouth harp sound over it. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. And he's holding his holding his medal, his valor medal that California was kind of a dick to him about. Yeah, Willie was very proud of his honorary service medal that he got from the Confederate fucking army. He was really proud of that shit. Which, once again, he said he got because he fell down a cliff and didn't get a scratch on him. <sighs> but yeah, poor poor Willie is gunned down and hung and I guess kind of lynched, but in a less horrific way than what the word actually implies. Mm-hmm. And and this is the point of the movie where I'm like, okay, this is where the movie starts. And so I'm expecting, okay, California, he's going to get a gun and he's going to go avenge Willie, right? That's what happens, right? No, no, not at all. No. <laughs> he, nope. he basically says, 
Sorry, Willie. This really sucks. I kind of feel indebted to you, so I'm going to grab your shit and take it back to your family in Georgia. <laughs> I kind of get it. I mean, we already knew that California was supposed to be a loner, hard-ass kind of guy. We did learn that he was uh, in the engineer corps of the army event at some point before this. Uh, he tells Willie the truth that he was an engineer, not a cook. And, I mean... It's fine. It's whatever. It's it's a thing. Uh, the The sad part to me was that all he had to take back to the family was Willie's service medal. That's all he had on him. Didn't have anything fucking mm. else. But yeah, we get to the farm in quote-unquote big fucking air quotes Georgia. Everything I've seen, I could not find much behind the scenes and production stuff for this film. And by not much, I mean basically nothing. Uh, even the Wikipedia is literally like, here's the producers, directors, actors, and plot of the movie, and that's all that's on there. It doesn't even, I, I think it had a release date, but it doesn't even say like where all it was shot, because I don't know about, I'm, I'm pretty sure you watched the same version I did, but the version I watched definitely had German titles. Like, those were not in Italian, they were in German. Yes. Yeah, I did see some German. Yeah. So I don't know if it was filmed in Germany or if just the editing company was German or if just this version was put out with German titles because it was originally German and then English dubbed. I don't know what the fucking deal is, but the titles were definitely German. This farm definitely looks like a little shack in the middle of Germany or something because it's very rocky hilly area with woods kind of off in the background and they're literally just like in this little valley basin area in the mountains <laughs> like i said it looks like a fucking rock farm they they mention plowing and having animals but i i think i saw one of them plowing something for like two seconds and no animals to speak of <laughs> and Speaking as someone who comes from dirt poor farmers from South Georgia, the fact that this family has a nice china set and a bunch of pictures and stuff up in their house is fucking insulting. Because I know for a fact my ancestors didn't have fucking photos until, I don't know, the 50s, probably? Because let, let me tell you, Civil War era, hardly anybody had photos, and no farmer had enough fucking money to get nice china okay <laughs> not unless they were running a giant plantation which by the end of the civil war they wouldn't have had a fucking plantation anymore yeah i mean it it was pretty insulting that these little solo farmers in south georgia have a whole bunch of shit on top of that just old rundown farm everything's broken we are served up to a nice dramatic scene of him talking to the family giving Willie's medal back to his family. I thought I thought the father and mother actors were pretty great in their roles. They're very small roles, but they are torn apart by finding out about the death of their son. Yeah. And eventually kind of latch on to California as a surrogate for Willie. Mm -hmm. And the father even has a great line. I've been thinking about it. Only I kept putting it off without really knowing why. Now I know why. I was waiting for my son to come back to help me do all these things. So I stopped doing anything, though I was trying to stop time. Kept telling myself he'd be back tomorrow. 
after that kind of the reveal to the family and the parents, then we get like several, the next couple scenes are, there was a point where there was enough of these scenes that I was like, is this a romance? Like what is, what is happening? Cause California stays here for a little while eating tons of sugar. Just, did you see how much sugar he put in his tea? Yes. So this first morning that he wakes up, they let him sleep inside next to the fire. He wakes up and uh, Helen, the sister character, has made him breakfast and coffee or tea, one of the two. And she like leaves him for a minute, walks outside, but she's spying on him through the window as he starts eating. And he is just fucking cramming these eggs and toast down as fast as he can. Grabs his either coffee or tea. And I think he, I counted, it was either five or six uh, teaspoons full of sugar in this tiny, tiny little teacup. Just shoveling. It had to have been grainy when he was drinking it. Did you notice that he took his like first big sip and then he kept stirring it? It was like, yeah, that thing's half fucking sh- sugar, dude. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, him and Helen... I I actually like this because in our previous movies, if there was a love interest, it was supposed to be like established before we even met the female character. Or, as in the case of Django, there was no relationship until the very end when Django's like, oh, come on, we can start a new life together as soon as I kill this guy. Yeah, or or there's like one sentence of like, I'm glad I make you feel like a real woman oh god i still haven't finished editing that episode and i'm regretting having to listen to that scene again <laughs> it's a horrible line and i hate it <laughs> it's really bad <laughs> but this they they slow it down they take the time to build a relationship between the two characters which leads up to my favorite shot in the whole fucking movie uh let me find my note for it so i can read exactly what they have here This is when Helen is trying to open up their irrigation system, which is just some boards holding back the water, and she has a very crude rope tied to uh, an eye hook in the boards, and the rope is coming over some more boards over the top of it, which isn't exactly how a pulley works, but she's trying to use it as a pulley, and the rope breaks, and she can't get the irrigation going. Later on, random helps them set it up with a block and tackle like you should and sets up the pulley system and he and Helen are pulling on the rope together and she's like barely even pulling on the rope and it just has her cheek laid against his shoulder the whole fucking time and I literally started to write the note Helen is horny as fuck and then they get the fucking uh, rope pulled and the irrigation system starts and it's just a flood of water coming at the camera and I just wrote there should be a caption that says her panties right now because that's <laughs> all it is it's just a giant shot of water rushing at the camera and all you can think is damn this girl is wet and ready to fucking go <laughs> <laughs> I think even Willie realized his sister needed something because he was, he was so just like, oh, yeah, it'd be great, California. You could come home to Georgia. I'm sure my, bang my sister, please. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Yeah, my sister <laughs> Helen will love you, for uh, especially for saving my hide back there, blah, blah, blah. Like, Jesus, Willie, calm down, bro. You, you don't know what the fuck's happened however long you've been off to war. She could be married off by now. What the fuck do you know? God damn. Yeah. And also, you just met this guy. 
he could and probably is a bad guy. And gave you a clearly fake name, you dumbass. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, really? But yeah, the uh, the uh, wet panties shot, as I'm calling it. Wow. Subtle filmmaking, guys. Subtle filmmaking. <laughs> Ooh. Next, we get uh, Random and Helen going to town to buy some mm. supplies. They run into three confederate soldiers walking along the road and random showing a bit of southern hospitality is like hey gents you guys need a ride into town they get them into town and then even helen is like drops some coins in the back of the cart and is like hey guys i think one of your pockets has a hole in it he he the guys thank them go into the bar the confederate soldiers are just like hamming it up get some shots of whiskey and they're like what should we drink to well, boys, what shall we drink to? To the Confederated States of the South, of course. What do you say, gentlemen? You don't mind if the three of us haven't changed flags, do you? Yeah. Gentlemen, if you feel like starting another war, just call on us. But call loud. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, no, don't know. Oh. And Helen had a line before this saying, hey, I got you some clothes out upstairs if you want to change. You're still in your uniform. Uh, everybody here just kind of wants to forget about it, mm. which I'm sure made a lot of sense back in those days when they had just had the shit kicked out of them for a few years. And everybody was just kind of tired of it and wanting to get back to some kind of normalcy. So when these three guys still in their Confederate uniforms show up and start yelling Hey, if you rich bastards want to start another war, just let us know. Yeah, they, 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 nobody else was really happy these guys were here. And that's when Whitaker and the gang show up again. Once again, we don't know what most of these guys are wanted for that Whitaker is after. It's seemingly, it just, it just feels like he's just hunting down ex-Confederate soldiers. Somebody calls Whitaker by an army rank at some point. I can't remember what rank he was or anything, but they call him an army rank as if he is working directly for the Union, and it just seems like he's hunting down bounties of Confederate soldiers that are wanted for, like, murder and bank robbery and shit like that. We do skimmed over it because it seemed like nothing at the, this point in the movie, but we meet this reporter character... I could have done without this character. I know we need some kind of law enforcement guy, but I would have been happy with a, uh, shit, what are, what are they in the American Westerns, the federal? Like sheriff or marshals or something? Marshals, yes. We, it should have been clear that we had a U.S. marshal on our hands, not, well, I was a reporter and now I'm doing something else that was never really made clear to me. We, we figure out later that he's working with the feds, but we, I, it wasn't clear to me until we saw him with a giant gang of other guys that he was supposed to be like a U.S. Marshal or something. Yeah, that was like a big reveal. They were like, you want to meet the sheriff or the marshal or whoever it is? And then like 47 guys on horses show up out of nowhere. Yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah, the I mean, and this whole time when we're watching Whitaker and the bounty hunters fucking take out these take out these Confederate soldier guys, the whole time I'm just like, where, where the fuck are the sheriffs in any of these towns? Like, we haven't seen a single law enforcement guy up until this point. <laughs> like, it's just all ex-soldiers. Um, there seems to be no laws whatsoever. 
which would have been more representative of the West, but we're in Georgia. We're not in the West. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> so yeah, this whole big shit goes down. They kill the three Confederate guys uh, out in the open. Then law enforcement seems to like want to arrest Whitaker and his men, but they take Helen captive, basically say, let us out or we're going to blow the girl's head off. So they just let them go. And they ride off, stealing two horses, a buggy, and Helen. Okay, uh, these these guys are definitely not, like, bounty hunters anymore. They're just criminals. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, I get it that we've seen them be bad guys, but they've been doing it in the name of law enforcement up until this point. Outwardly, it seems like only the Confederates are the ones that are against their actions. Like, up until this point, we haven't seen any actual law enforcement or anyone be negative toward Whitaker and the gang. Yeah. Which was the only really point of confusion that I had in this movie, other than where the fuck are we? But it, she needed to be kidnapped for the story to continue. Yeah, it, and I will say, it it's a good motivation to get Random back out there doing mm -hmm. stuff. He, we have a nice little shot of him gearing up, getting the pistol and the <laughs> rifles and everything together, and uh, Willie's dad just being like, Son, even if you don't find her, come back to us, will you? I'll come back with Helen. They'll make us moan for you, too. It's a great little start to the third act. To the I final guess. act, yeah. There was another um, quote I liked a lot. I think it was when Random was talking to the marshal or somebody. I think it was the marshal. And he was like, I'll tell you right now, Nelson. If I don't find that girl, there's going to be a price on my head for having murdered you. That was pretty fucking great. Oh, yeah. And another great line is when he's uh, he's tra trying to track down Whitaker and he gets pointed to a uh, card dealer up north because one of the guys that runs with Whitaker is a degenerate gambler and a cheat. And he goes and talks to the card dealer and the card dealer calls him California the whole time. So he actually knows who this guy is. And he's like, where can I find him? About a hundred miles north of here. Thanks. Oh, by the way, California, I heard you fought in the war. Yes. And I was killed. And <laughs> just walks out. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> we finally catch up to Whitaker. Uh, or not Whitaker, but we catch up to a couple of his guys in a blown out town. Random is now fully armed to the teeth and has bounties for Whitaker and the guys in his gang. Finds two of them. Manages to take one out pretty much head on and then he's getting pinned down by the other one the guy's hiding behind one of these blown out buildings and yet another ghost town and fucking random in perfect ringo fashion shoots a support beam and the whole building falls down on this bad guy <laughs> that was awesome i loved it that was it was fun it was hilarious and he he walks up to the guy the guy's trapped under a bunch of rubble and they're talking it out trying to find out where uh Whitaker's hideout is and the guy won't give it up random notices him pointing a gun through the rubble at him so he shoots him a couple times finishes him off so kind of back at square one but California being the guy that he is fucking makes a big show of it puts the two guys in 
holes where it looks like dynamite went off or something. Puts the bounties in their shirts and then puts the third bounty for Whitaker in another hole right beside it so that when Whitaker rides into town, that's the first things he sees. <laughs> he has the drop on Whitaker and they start having a talk. I like how California handles this, but at the same time, it seems like we could have trimmed 10 minutes off this movie and been a little cleaner. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It was that they started talking and Whitaker kept walking closer and I was expecting, all right, this is when you shoot him, California. This is, <laughs> you've been chasing this guy. It's time to shoot him. We, we've been building up to the showdown for like an entire movie now. Can, can we go ahead and do it? Nope. California's got to team up with Whitaker to find out where his hideout is. So Whitaker talks him into, yeah, I've got a $2,000 bounty on my head, but what do you think about a score of 20000 So they team up together to go rob a Wells Fargo <laughs> cart. Which, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, how random gets away with all of this shit is the other thing. Like, he stole a horse with Willie. Willie gets killed, and the guys basically say, one man for one horse is enough. Okay. Now random trying to get to Helen teams up with Whitaker, the bad guy of the story, robs a fucking bank, and splits the money evenly with him. Even gets caught in town immediately afterward with Whitaker by the U.S. Marshals guys. Like, and you're still going to trust him? Like, he just robbed 20 grand from a bank. <sighs> Not to mention Whitaker killed like six people when they robbed that bank. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was an active accomplice to bank robbery and murder. But don't worry. It's fine. It's California. He's a good guy. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. And I I got the impression that Whitaker kind of at this point was now trusting California. Like he thought they were friends or something, or at least professionally, they were on the same side now. Oh, yeah. I mean, he took him to his favorite whorehouse. Yep. Told him to ask for his favorite whore. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh all right, so when they're in the town, they go to the whorehouse. Whitaker's all drunk and yelling. Uh, we see the U.S. Marshal slash reporter guy inside with the hooker. Before Whitaker can get inside and get shot by those guys, Random sees him through the window and cracks off a shot, warning Whitaker. And they hide behind a cart when they're surrounded, the entire town surrounded again by like 50 guys on horses. And Whitaker just yells out, Look, my friend here has nothing to do with all this. Let him go, and I'll give myself up. And immediately the marshal's like, Yeah, I'll take that deal. Go ahead. Uh, men, let the guy on the horse ride out of town. Okay. Let me think. Na, 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 na. Oh, yeah, they traded clothes. What a big fucking surprise. It's, it's one of the dumbest and easiest things I've ever seen, and I called it immediately. As soon as they said what they were doing. The fact that no one else in the movie could see this coming from a mile away is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And and still, California's a good guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I know. I helped him escape. I, Ca you know. Yeah, California talks to the same guy who he threatened earlier that if Whitaker got away, he'd kill him. It th talks to the same guy and is like, yeah, I know I let him get out of your hands, but trust me, I got this. Okay, how are you going to convince him you got away from us? I don't know. We'll figure something out. Great. 
Great. Why, why not just say, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Thanks, Ringo. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, so, Random rides off into the desert on a horse with no weapons and his hands in handcuffs in front of him. <laughs> not behind his back. Uh, eventually, somehow, catches up to Whitaker, and Whitaker's just like, Hey, how'd you get away from him? Like, uh brush over that because i don't have an i don't have an answer for it let's just brush over that i I did have a nice shot of him shooting the handcuffs apart (laughs) yeah whitaker being a dick put your hands up aiming the rifle at him yeah just shoots the links of the handcuffs which was a fun callback to the good the bad and the ugly i thought yeah especially 10 years or 11 years afterwards however long afterwards we are at now oh this is also where i started to notice a filmmaking choice that harkens more to present day films which is lens flare oh my lord at the lens flare in this movie i mean it's served up i don't know three or four times not not as bad as like a michael bay movie or something where it feels like lens flare the fucking movie but we get multiple shots of like camera panning from right to left and then the sun is center shot with a big lens flare and i was like oh man this is a great early example of that and i i don't know how many times i've seen it in like 70s films especially like 80s 90s 2000s especially you see it a bunch but man 70s that that was a nice little change of pace and then next day we get to whitaker's hideout right yep after the old switcheroo we get to Whitaker's hideout. So we walk into this little rundown saloon looking place where a woman obviously owns the place and she's all friendly with Whitaker. California immediately walks to the back of the room where Helen is on a bed crying and just looks like she's been through hell. I don't even think she looks up at California the whole time. Like California's just like, oh, yeah, there, there she is. I, yeah. Now I'm angry. Because, uh, when they walk in, Wicker's right. Uh, it says, references something like, oh, yeah, like all the guys like her or something like that. And it clearly doesn't like know she has anything to do with California. And California walks in and kind of like sees her and she's clearly, you know, broken and sad and all that. And then my favorite punch of the movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes fucking Whitaker, big old smile on his face, big old bottle of whiskey in his mouth, and fucking California just turns around, punches the bottom of the bottle, which immediately shatters. <laughs> so you've just got fist and glass flying into Whitaker's face. <laughs> it was it was really awesome. Uh, and, it was fucking great. Yeah, glass flies everywhere. They start fighting. The next part that I really noted was the rolling down the scene in slow motion. Okay, so here's my notes for the entire fight scene. Uh, bottle punch, exclamation point. Yeah. Tackle through a wall, which was excellently done. The fucking adobe brick wall just breaking. Uh, roll down a hill, which I think is supposed to be a callback to Willie's roll down, uh, falling down a cliff. And then we have the final, final hit, which is... California picking up a board which has a big like railroad spike looking nail in it and just slams it into the chest of Whitaker who immediately like gives up for some reason pulls it out of his chest just making everything worse and dies right there 
I, I compare this to the scene in Django where the guy gets the mining pick in the back. This was much better executed. Uh, we actually see California pick up the board and swing it at him. Whereas in Django, we were like, wait, where'd that mining pick come from? What, did I miss something? <laughs> and and kind of to call back what you said earlier about special effects, Whitaker's face and uh, California's too, but Whitaker's face is like cut to shreds from the glass and I guess the tumble and everything. Yeah, they're they're both pretty beat up by the end of this. I mean, this was a legit great action fight scene. I'm really glad they didn't go for like the standard high noon shootout or anything like that this is a good action flick with great hand-to-hand action even though it's a western we're not using the guns too fucking much Mm -hmm. i i really enjoyed that man that this was just a really good long fight scene like we've talked about in others i keep bringing up the ugly and the good the bad and the ugly fighting that one guy that had him captive and it lasting all of 10 seconds and then we had the Ringo final boss fight, which was a drag out, punching the shit out of each other and then shooting each limb before I finally kill you. Mm-hmm. Django with the high tension but very short action scene at the end, uh, which called back to the good, the bad, and the ugly. But this, you, you gotta love the long drawn out punching and the fight ends with a random weapon that we picked up off the ground mm-hmm. and that's that's how this shit ends there's no drawn out like i'm gonna torture you and then kill you it's i gotta kill you before you kill me mm-hmm. it's it's darker it's more realistic and it hits so much harder and to even to speak more to your point that they were both beat up and scratched up at the end helen is even looking at california's bruised and bloody knuckles and like kissing his hand kind of for the first time having to witness the violence that all of these men have gone through for the past however many years fighting in the war. Yeah, firsthand. I I liked it. I've been thinking for the past like minute or two. I can't. I guess he was unarmed most of the movie. Like I don't remember. There was a few times he shot some people, but it really, like you said, like there was shooting for executions and Whitaker shot people, but. There wasn't a lot of, like, the good guy versus the bad guy shooting at each other. In general, in this movie, guns are for cowards, for the most part. It, they, they try to make it seem like the guys who have guns are the wicked and cowardly. Yeah, they use them for executions and quick quick kills of the innocent and not for combat. Mm-hmm. Shooting people in the back for Willie, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a strange turn for a Western film in my opinion, but it works really fucking well. Yeah, I think so. I I was a little let down by the final reunion of uh, Helen and California here at the end. It's very sweet and touching, but at the same time, it's not that big romantic swell Mm -hmm. that you're used to at the end of these movies. For instance, the end of Ringo, where we get the, the big hug and kiss finally at the end, even though everything else with that relationship is fucking wrong in my mind. Django, I was okay with it because there was no love story subplot until the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was executed completely wrong, so they ignored it at the ending, which is fine. This movie, however, we spent a third of the movie setting up the relationship and then a third of the movie of him getting revenge to get that relationship back. And 
I don't know. It was kind of lackluster at the ending for me. I, I feel like we needed that big kiss and swelling music to really cap it off. Yeah, and it, it brought up, in my mind, something you said earlier about some of the Westerns being almost fantastical and mythical, and this one having much more grounded characters with some mythic and kind of fantastical qualities, but being much more grounded. And at the end, you have Helen, the love interest, who's, you know, says, I'm sorry, and is clearly, like, witnessing the violence, but also has had bad shit happen to her for the past however many days. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a trigger warning for some people, because I'm going to use some words here that aren't explicitly stated in the movie, but are pretty well hinted at. Yeah. And that is the fact that she has been kidnapped, held captive, and raped, most likely, for the past however long it's taken California to track them down and get to her. So, it's a little off-putting that at the end, she is actually acting like a victim of these things. And yes, it's realistic, yes, it's gritty, but I'm not going to the movies to have my ending be, oh she's horribly traumatized from the things she just went through. That's not the ending emotion I want to feel. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of, again, like you're saying, where, you know, if this movie at the start was like 100% that gritty and you knew that was the kind of movie you're getting into, that ending makes sense. But because you also have this sort of mythic, romantic, or romanticized kind of Western film, that ending is like very you know intense and i'm sure it's in more intense to other people you know who, who've had yeah. that, those experiences or or something along those experiences yeah and and i get if we're going for pure realism she's not going to be like jumping all over him and she's not going to you know i i get that but once again this is a movie where you have let a guy get off with aiding and betting aiding and abetting a murderer and a bank robber and actively helping him rob a bank and murder six people. And that's our hero. Yeah. And they let him go, which is one of the most unrealistic things in the entire movie. But then we're served up to this harsh, biting realism at the very end. And it, it's just off-putting and unsatisfying. And, and this comes from a guy who loves downer endings. I... I generally like downer ending. Like, if uh, Whitaker had ended up killing California and the girl had gotten shot in the crossfire or something, I probably would have been more happy with that ending than I am with this one. Yeah, you just kind of had kind of a mix of, like, you know, downer ending, but also it's kind of a happy ending, sort of, maybe. And it's just kind of a mixed message. Yeah, our hero wins, yet everyone's still just sad. Yeah. And then... uh... And then the the marshal or whatever shows back up. I pay my debts, Nelson. Let me take the girl away. I'll come to you then. I won't be around. I have to go look for a man who robbed a stagecoach and helped a wanted man escape. He's known as Michael Randall. But that's not a name. It's simply a famous brand of tobacco. I guess I'll never find it. So long. But I guess we'll never find him. His name was Michael Tobacco, and I guess we'll never know who he is. Like, he rode way out here to the hideout. (laughs) And and doesn't even collect the body for Whitaker or anything. Doesn't give California the bounty money. Anything. 
California, you've got three bounties that you could collect right now. What? Why is everyone being an asshole? This is horrible. <laughs> and they just immediately like sprint off in their horses. He comes out here, says that one sentence about, oh, Michael Tobacco, I guess I'll never know who he is. Wink, wink, I know it's you. And then turn about faces and then rides off. Yep. End of movie. That's that's it. Scene. Jesus Christ. Cut it. Send it. <laughs> uh, uh, I think I think that's about all I got on this movie. Yeah. Anything else you want to? No, I, I think we kind of we ran through ran through the most of it. I think. What are your kind of like your final thoughts? Like, what would you rank it? Ooh, this is a rough one. On Voodoo, it asks you to rank the movie at the end so that they can, I guess, suggest things to you later on. I gave it four out of five stars on that. I think this one's a pretty solid eight, maybe even an eight and a half. If it wasn't for the shitty film stock, might have been a nine. If it wasn't on shitty film stock and you fixed the ending, you're talking about a ten. I mean, it was a really good fucking movie, and I loved the action. I loved the pacing where they do a great three-act structure that is clear and well-defined. Our characters have good motivations. The writing for this was really fucking good, which, to me, stands out above these other Civil War spaghetti westerns we've looked at, where the good, the bad, and the ugly, I gave that one a 9 out of 10, I believe one of the best spaghetti westerns ever and i think that's pretty unanimous around everyone who's watched them uh but this one gave it a fucking run for its money i think if it had a little more money behind it it could have been an instant classic i agree i think again good the bad and the ugly is kind of like the gold standard and out of the few films we watched in this genre i would put this as number two good bad and the ugly and then california here Probably Django after that with Ringo kind of falling falling towards the end, which is interesting because you have the same actor in Ringo and in this one. Um, and he did such a better job in this movie than he did in Ringo. And once again, I think it's the script and I think it's the directing, not so much the actor. But man, he hits those emotional points so well in this movie that were completely absent in Ringo. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And like you said, you know, the characters are interesting, grounded. I understand where they're coming from and what they want. Um, I understand the plot of the movie. You know, I understand how we get from A to B to C in the three arcs. And it's, it's a fun movie. Um, it's it's interesting. And there, there's a few, like, comedic scenes, like the toads um, and then the horse in the saloon moments that kind of we use. But also, you pointed out, they're used really interestingly because almost... And both of those, I think, right after those scenes, we had something tragic happen. Right after the Toads, we had all those people get shot and executed by Whitaker. Right after the horse saloon scene makes you happy, Willie gets shot. So I, I think it was a really good film. I think it was really well done. I would probably rank it, yeah, pretty high. Below, right below Good and Bad and the Ugly. Yeah, and I, I literally think that's only because of production on these two films. Because, I mean... The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly looks and sounds miles ahead of this movie, and it was made more than 10 years earlier. So clearly this film just didn't have the backing. And like I said at the end of the last episode, this is at the very end of the spaghetti western genre. I think 
spaghetti westerns were only made, like, only a couple more spaghetti westerns came out after this one. I don't know, maybe, maybe the interest was just dying off. They couldn't really get the funding for them anymore. I'm surprised they were still getting Giuliano Gemma, unless he was just kind of washed up because spaghetti westerns were his only thing, I don't know. <laughs> Damn good movie. I wish they would have had more backing just to get it more up to a Sergio Leone type film. Yeah. I, I think I think it could have made a much bigger mark than it has. Yeah. Good film though and I think a pretty good representation of the genre. Pretty yeah. good. Uh I think the only thing we were really missing was dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, get, didn't check off the dynamite dynamite box, but yeah. Everything else. They don't mention gold, but we did have a bank heist, so I think that covers our gold expletive there. Um Yeah, Civil War, Bounty Hunters. Marshal or sheriff, war town, ghost town, saloons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got pretty much everything else in there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what's next? Okay, so I've been playing with my cards a little close to my chest up until now because I wasn't exactly sure how, like, when our release dates were going to be and everything. I believe we're just for listeners at home. We have been recording these first four episodes through from the end of May to now we're at the end of June. And uh, I'm hoping to have episode one up on July 5th, which is the first Sunday in July. And hopefully every Sunday after that is when our episodes will come out. That means this one should be out July 26th for, or for the foreseeable future. We're going to be doing even-numbered months horror, odd-numbered months something else, just to give us a break, and then come back to it. Next month's sub-subgenre is Invading Homes of the Disabled. These are going to be horror home invasion movies where the person whose house is being broken into, out of the, choice, out of the movies I've chosen, I believe we have two blind people and two deaf people, I believe. So... I think that's going to be the breakdown for our four movies next month. We're going to start it off with... I, I'm not going to fuck up like I did with The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. We're not going to watch the most highly regarded one first because I feel like that set us up to where I got really tired of these movies, two of them in. First one is going to be Mischief Night 2013. It's supposed to be much smaller budgeted movie. I actually haven't had a chance to look into it too much. I was... Just looking for these home invasion horror movies that had someone with a disability or differently abled as a protagonist or as a the character who was being invaded. And this one popped up and I'd never heard of it before, so I wanted to throw it on the list and give it a chance. Either way, I love horror movies. Home Invasion is definitely my favorite subgenre of horror movies because they're, they can be so creative and so out there. Uh, you never really know what the fuck is happening until the end of the movie and you're just hoping that the good guy survives or your final girl doesn't get an axe in the head or whatever's happening. So, yeah, uh, we, we, might, we might talk about the whole list of movies at the beginning of the next episode, but for now, we'll stick with, we'll stick with this one and see where we go from there. And I think that wraps up Civil War Spaghetti Westerns. Any uh, final closing notes for you? I like them more than I thought. I love the mythic qualities to these films. I like that it kind of leans in and says, for the most part, we're not going to be super gritty and grounded. We're going to let some crazy stuff happen. Um, so I love it. I'm excited about the... Excited isn't the right word. 
I'm terrified of horror movies. So <laughs> it's going to be an adjustment for me personally. I'll have to watch them like early during the day so I can sleep at night. Uh, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to be watching them at like 1 a.m. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, uh, that's it for Civil War Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, overall, fun little set of movies. Go out and watch more. There's a ton of them out there. I love pretty much. I grew up on Clint Eastwood Civil uh, Spaghetti Westerns, period. Uh, there's a lot of great spaghetti westerns out there. We just cut it down to Civil War ones to try and be as closed off as we could. And I think it worked out pretty well. We got a good mix of movies. I think it was real specific. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. We will be back next week. Until then. <laughs> bye, bye, bye.